You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Podcast. Straight people, I don't think you realize when you've just been insulted. And you've just been insulted. Last week, the Pope, Pope Benedict, formerly nay Joseph Ratzinger, said that legal gay marriage is going to turn straight men everywhere into cock-sucking power bottoms. That's the only possible interpretation of his remarks about legal gay marriage. Uh, he said – the pope says that legal gay marriage threatens the future of humanity itself. Elf, elf, elf. How? How exactly – does it? Well, the only possible interpretation, it's, it's a common one with you know, religious conservatives when they complain about equal rights, uh, full civil equality for lesbians and gays and bisexuals and transgender people, is that you know, if we tolerate this, soon everyone is going to be gay. And then one day we're going to wake up and the entire population of the whole world, all of us will have forgotten which hole it is that shits babies. And we won't know where to put the cum when we want to repopulate the world. And this will threaten humanity. We will go extinct. Extinction is one of the threats that legal gay marriage and open homosexuality poses to the planet because everybody wants to be gay. And if I'm allowed to be gay, if I'm granted my full civil equality, straight guys out there listening, if I'm equal, you are going to want to suck dick. That's what the Pope is saying. That the only thing that stands between you and inhaling one dude's dick while another dude impales you on his is a marriage license. If those marriage licenses were available, you would be the Chinese handcuffs in that scenario. Straight people? I realize when the Pope says these things that most people kind of go, oh, the Pope's homophobic. That's kind of heterophobic. It really kind of underestimates the importance in the lives of heterosexuals. Of heterosexuality, of opposite sex desire, of love, of commitment, of your hunger, straight boys, for pussy. What the Pope is telling you is that if I can marry Terry, you're going to go suck dick. I don't think that's true. I think heterosexuality isn't so weak and vulnerable. I don't think it's this delicate flower that's going to collapse when gay people finally get married. And if we want to talk about threats to humanity, a threat to the survival of humanity itself, elf, 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 I really think that we should be talking about the Duggars. They are, of course, the 19 and counting family. The problem with the world, the threat to humanity, seven billion fucking people on the planet, overconsumption of resources, destruction of critical habitats, overfishing of the oceans, all to like keep us in iPads and iPods and strawberries in the winter and shit. That's the threat to humanity. The Duggars, these people who are fucking breeding the way the Pope would like us all to breed. I think they're a bigger threat to the survival 
of the planet. And if legal gay marriage turns some of the Duggars' kids queer, that is ultimately to the benefit of the – I don't think it works that way. But if it did work that way, my god, that would be wonderful. And if everybody did turn gay, oh, I think that would be okay. I don't think that's going to happen. It would be okay because even if everyone did turn gay, we're not going to forget which whole shit's babies. If suddenly there's a collapse in world population, if suddenly we drop to three and a half billion people and we're like, wow, nobody lives in North Dakota because everybody's gone queer. We have the technology. We can reproduce. Amazon.com sells turkey basters. You know, it, uh, the text that yet received just pointed out to me that it does show that they are all secretly gay themselves. And yes, it does. With the Pope, the ancient former Hitler youth, which is completely unfair, conscripted, whatever. But the Pope is telling us that but for social condemnation, but for discrimination, uh, but for having come up at a time when it was impossible to be openly gay – he would be sucking dick himself. There are people out there that the only thing that prevented them from coming out was discrimination, bias, bigotry and hatred and they've lived their entire lives in the closet and they are warped by it and I think secretly jealous in a lot of ways that people who are younger and less crazy are able to live openly now and they know that in their life, in their experience – uh, discrimination, the inability to marry, the inability to have a family, the inability to live openly as gay people prevented them from identifying as gay. And they just project that bullshit onto everyone else on earth, onto all straight people. They look – the Pope looks at a straight guy and he doesn't see a straight guy. He sees another fag who isn't sucking dick just like he isn't sucking dick because he can't. And he's worried that if we live in a world where if you're a guy and you want to suck dick, you can and you can even marry the dick you suck that soon – we're going to forget which whole shit's babies and there won't be anybody out there pumping out more Catholics. Bitch, be crazy. Pope, be crazy. You people, a lot of you crazy too and you crazy calls after this. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 100,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature and featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash savage. That's audiblepodcast.com slash savage. This episode is brought to you by adamandeve.com, where you can find over 18,000 adult entertainment products for every lifestyle. To receive 50% off most any item, plus three adult DVDs, plus an extra gift, plus free shipping, visit adamandeve.com and enter savage at checkout. Hey, Dan. I'm wondering, should I play the super crazy card and register as a Republican, vote for Santorum, and just in the hopes that it splits the vote and um, ends up with someone even crazier um, than what's existing out there as a, you know, as a running mate, Barack Obama will win. Um, I don't know what to do. I'm really, really scared that someone other than Barack Obama, who, by the way, was the president that I fought under in the Gulf, um, he's the only commander-in-chief I've ever had, 
Um, I am not about to fight under a freaking Republican commander-in-chief. And there are a lot of us in the military who think like that. Here's a little something from the mists of time, just to, you know, put it in your heads that maybe I'm not right about everything. In 2000, I encouraged uh, people in Washington State uh, and, and anybody else reading my column to vote for George Bush in the primaries because there was no way George Bush could defeat Al Gore in the general election. I thought McCain maybe in 2000 could have defeated Al Gore in the general election. And look how that turned out. Now, you know, Al Gore did defeat George Bush in the general election. It is true that George Bush got a half a million fewer votes. It is true that the Republicans being Republicans and Lieberman being a douchebag operative of the Republican Party, a tool of the right, managed to steal, with the assistance of Lieberman, managed to steal the election in Florida. And the general election with the assistance of a conservative dominant Supreme Court. Uh, basically, I want to say I was wrong, but I was right. I was right that George Bush couldn't defeat Al Gore in the election. But I was wrong in that I hadn't anticipated uh, the GOP and their ability to uh, steal an election and then the American public's ability just to take it, just to like let them. Anyway, uh, which is to say don't register as a Republican and vote for Santorum or anybody in the primary uh, in an effort to set up uh, a victory for Obama. I think that you should volunteer for Obama, work for Obama, organize people in the military to uh, – in their civilian clothes, endorse and work for Obama because one of the lies promoted by the right is that there's no one out there in the military who – uh, supports Obama, that all folks in the military are uh, for the Republicans and it just ain't true. Um, while we're on the subject, uh, in my column this week uh, – and we're Republican bashing here. My, in my column this week, someone asked uh, about Rick Santorum, time to follow through on your threat to redefine Rick, Dan. And I wrote, uh, that's already been done. To Rick is to remove something with your tongue, the R from remove, the ick from lick, which makes Rick Santorum – the most disgusting two-word sentence in the English language after vote Republican. And I got a letter today that I wanted to share with you all. That was a cheap shot, Savage, and I hope it's one you'd wish you – I hope it's one you'll take back. GOP supporters of marriage equality do exist and we would appreciate not being written off alongside a fringe also-ran candidate like Rick Santorum. What you wrote is a slap in the face to the New York State legislators – with R's after their names who voted their conscience over their careers in favor of the Marriage Equality Act in New York State last summer. Absolutely true. We are having a marriage equality push here in Washington State. Uh, we have Democratic state senators and it really is stuck in the Senate here. We have Democratic state senators who have come out and said they're not going to support the bill. And we have two Republican state senators and now the Republican candidate, Reagan Dunn, named for Ronald Reagan, kind of an idiot generally. But endorsed marriage equality in Washington State this week. So I guess there are Republicans out there who are for civil equality for uh, gays and lesbians and we welcome them and I probably shouldn't have made that joke. I guess voting Republican is the second most disgusting sentence in the English language after Rick Santorum, not the other way around. Hi, Dan. I love your show. I am a 36-year-old um, female, and I am uh, ethically non-monogamous and also bisexual. I've been married to my husband for 12 years, and for the last 10 years, we've had um, um, somewhat of an open relationship with 
some pretty clear rules. Basically, um, we have three ways with women, and they've all been really fun, and this has gone on for a while now. Um, we've had several partners over the last 10 years. Now, um, this has been really fun, and uh, I feel really comfortable in everything that's happened so far, but I do feel kind of like this itch that needs to be scratched where I want to have sex with another man. And I brought this up to my husband because we do have that kind of relationship where we can talk about all these awesome things. And uh, he's expressed to me that he's not interested in having, um, in him participating in this. So he's not interested in either having a three-way with another guy or uh, swinging, uh, which is honestly fine with me. But he did uh, communicate to me that if uh, he would prefer that I didn't feel the need to have sex with another man, but if I do, that I do two things. One, that I be safe, and two, that I not let him know, that I not let him find out. So he doesn't want to know who, when, what, uh, none of those details. Uh, he just wants me to go do what I need to do and do it safely. So this is uh, a bit problematic for me because um, I guess I could definitely try to find a way to do that, but it's logistically a little intense as I need to basically hide some things from him if I'm going to do this. So that's the first question. What's your advice on how do I do this so I actually keep him protected from the information? And then the second piece of the question is that I did, uh, I do have a male friend who may be interested in this, and we are attracted to each other uh, sexually and intellectually. Uh, however, he's not totally comfortable with the fact that my husband would not know or would not give him a direct permission. And I explained how the deal works, that uh, basically we could do this, but we just I do have the permission from my husband. It's just my husband does not want to meet him uh, or know who he is or know what happened. So how do I make my male friend feel comfortable uh, with this situation? There's a lot of people out there in what I would call monogamous relationships who have exactly the arrangement that your husband has asked for. They know that you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, five, six decades of completely monogamous behavior, sexual monogamy, uh, is near to impossible, is unlikely that there may be an infidelity. And what they've said to their partners is, if something happens, you know, I forgive you in advance, but I don't ever want to find out about it. Please don't tell me. That's not uncommon. I hear about that arrangement all the time. Now, you and your husband are having three ways with women and your husband's down with that, uh, obviously, and reaps the rewards. He gets to have sex with other women. Uh, you enjoy it too. Uh, and he probably feels a certain moral obligation to extend to you the same courtesy, the same license that he enjoys and is can sign off on it logically in a set, can sign off on you having sex with another man. But confronting that reality – uh, for him, may be tough, and so what he's told you is that he wants that deal. The if it happens, fine. You have my permission and forgiveness in advance, I guess, but I don't want to know. So you're going to do him the courtesy of uh, of being discreet and hiding it from him. And I think that what you should bear in mind is often the people who have these agreements, these uh, if it happens, don't tell me, I don't want to know agreements, is that they don't want to know for now. That a time may come where your husband checks in with you again and says, you know, has anything happened and you guys can have a conversation and he may acclimate to the idea or warm to the idea. Even if you do tell him when, you know, five, six years down the road or even a year or two down the road, when he asks, can you tell him that, yes, something did happen? Are you sure you want to know the details? He may find that it was so not disruptive that in retrospect, what he thought would be very upsetting uh, wasn't. 
and it was less of a, a, a big deal than he thought it would be. And then going forward from that conversation, he may uh, be open to more openness, more, more open dialogue about uh, the guys that you may have sex with uh, other than him. Now, as to this person at work, if this male that you found is uncomfortable with this circumstance, then you can move on and find another male who is. Uh, you really do have to put your husband's feelings in this situation first uh, and he's asked not to be told. And if it's a deal breaker for this guy that your husband not know or he not be able to touch base with your husband or verify your story with your husband, then he's the wrong guy. And there are plenty of other guys out there in the world. One of the common complaints of uh, non-monogamous and monogamish and swinging couples is that it's much easier for a woman to find a guy than it is for a, a married woman to find a guy who's willing to play with her uh, and have sex with her on the side than it is for a married man to find a woman who's willing to do the same. So jump on a website, find a different guy. This week's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 100,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature and featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. For listeners of this podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their service. One to consider is Mindy Kaling's Is Everyone Hanging Out With Me and Other Concerns. Mindy Kaling, of course, is an actress and she is a producer and a writer at the office, uh, in the office. She plays Kelly Kapoor. She is fucking hysterical. Terry and I listened to this book when we were driving to Montana for New Year's Eve and uh, laughed our asses off all through Idaho, which isn't easy. For your free audiobook of your choice, and you really should choose this one, choose Mindy's book, go to audiblepodcast.com slash savage. That is audiblepodcast.com slash savage. Hey, Dan. Okay, I started working uh, at a uh, restaurant recently at a dishwasher, and uh, I really, really want to bang the owner, uh, one of the owners. It's a male-female tandem. Um, the chef runs the restaurant. The woman runs the uh, wine bar up front. And um, oh, she's incredibly sexy. And um, I know that they have a relationship, but it's not out front. Like you can tell by the way they talk to each other that they're t together, but they're not together. Anyways, um, mostly she's incredibly hot, and I want to get with her. And I thought I had overheard a couple times uh, this chef saying that... Uh, they were swingers. Now, my hearing isn't that great, so maybe I'm wrong. But um, there have been some kind of sexual things thrown around there, and I'm not sure if I'm picking up on the clues properly or not. But, uh, um, you know, I'm not a swinger myself, currently single, but um, I wouldn't mind getting into that scene. So, I don't know. Um, Dan, could you just tell me how to progress from here? Like, how would I approach them? Uh, one of the things that I wanted to mention, too, was that, uh, you know, I... Um, I used their iPad for a couple minutes to look some stuff up on the internet while I was at the job to, uh, you know, do some stuff that he'd asked me to do. And I looked in their browser history, just out of curiosity, and it came up right away with a bunch of porn sites and spanking videos. And, uh, I also had heard that the, uh, the woman who is the co-owner also dressed up as a dominatrix for Halloween. And it turns out that she borrowed her spanking paddle or whatever you call it from the other owner, the chef. So there's a lot of this stuff floating around out there. And um, I 
feel like they like me. They keep telling me how much they like me. They really like having me there. They really enjoy my time. They like my work, and I am a hard worker. But, like, it seems like there's something there, but I'm not sure how to approach it. So what would you do, Dan, if you had this really sexy boss and you wanted a banger? I'm, I'm, a, I'm a straight male, but I wouldn't mind tag-teaming her with the chef or something, you know, if that's what it came down to. But um, how do I approach that, Dan? First of all, we uh, want to apologize, everyone, for the quality of that call. Uh, but we like the question so much we're using it anyway. You know, just because your employers are kinky, just because he has spanking porn on his iPad, just because she's dressed up as a dominatrix at Halloween, it doesn't mean they want to fuck you or anybody else necessarily. It doesn't even mean they're swingers. It doesn't even mean they're kinky. Uh, it doesn't mean they don't want to fuck you though. They could want to fuck you. Uh, usually people who are swingers, people who are couples, they're pretty proactive about the people they want to fuck. Usually they will let you know. And you're in the restaurant business where people tend to socialize before and after work because when the shift is over, there you are in a bar. Uh, there you are and there's alcohol around. So I would encourage you not to hit on your bosses, not to uh, hit on them in any overt way right now. I would just encourage you to Keep your eyes peeled. Be open to possibility. If they want to socialize with you after the shift, if people are having drinks to hang out and as – I worked in a lot of restaurants and as inevitably happens, relationship, sex, all of that will come up as people dish their love lives, dish everybody else's love life. And if it gets flirty, then you can raise your hand and volunteer. But if it gets flirty and they're the kind of swingers that you think they might be, they'll draft you before you have a chance to volunteer. So take it slow. You don't want to lose your job, not even a dishwashing job in this economy by going – by moving too quickly. Looking to spice things up in the bedroom? Fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adamandeve.com for a limited time only. You'll get 50% off just about any item. And that's not all. There's more. You'll also receive three free adult DVDs plus a free extra gift plus free shipping on your entire order. Check out adamandeve.com today for this special offer. That's adamandeve.com and enter Savage at checkout. Hi, Dan. Uh, I'm a high school teacher in the Bay Area in California. And um, one of my students who I've had for a couple of years, and we're not super close, but close enough that she would share this information with me, um, she recently found out she's pregnant and she's 17, um, won't be 18 until the until October of this year. Um, and I'm just trying to get some advice of how I can talk to her about the situation. Um, her partner is 23 and she's afraid that her mom will uh, do something to get him in trouble legally. Uh, she doesn't know that, one, that her daughter has a boyfriend and two, that she's pregnant. Um, she's about a month or so, maybe a little more than a month along. Um, and I just wanted to know if you could share some information about other people that might be in a similar situation in terms of rights. Um, I think that her boyfriend is kind of excited about the fact, but she's not really sure, uh, how she feels yet and, um, what are the legal rights for women in that position? Um, if the, you know, the man wants to have the baby, but she doesn't, um, kind of what's what's involving that legally. Um, also, legally around uh, the boyfriend being 23 and her not being 18, um, what could happen there potentially. Um, and also maybe just some advice for resources for her. Um, 
she's still kind of struggling with the decision. Um, I recommended Planned Parenthood. There's one nearby the high school. Um, She is a Kaiser member, but she's afraid to go there with her mom possibly being able to find out. She's not sure how to break this news to her mom. Um, She is just kind of feeling lost and some of her friends know and and they're all supportive of whatever she wants to do, but I'm just trying to find ways to uh, support her in the ways that I can. Um, I personally feel that um, she should not have the child because from an education standpoint, I want to make sure that she's able to fulfill the dreams that she's had as long as I've known her. Um, but I think she's leaning towards the side of wanting to keep the baby. So uh, just any advice you have on any of those topics would be really great, and I would appreciate it. It's ultimately her decision to make. She can make it without any input from her family, without having to uh, inform or obtain her mother's consent. In California, a teenager does not need parental consent to obtain an abortion. She doesn't need her boyfriend's consent. She doesn't need to submit it to a review panel or a jury of her peers, her friends, you, anybody. She gets to make up her own mind. Uh, Someone who at 17, nearly 18, is afraid to walk into a Planned Parenthood office because mom might find out is not mature enough to parent. So I would join you in encouraging her to think about terminating the pregnancy and if she can't Bring herself to terminate the pregnancy, I would encourage her to think about adoption, including open adoption. Plenty of great info at www.openadopt.org, which is a website with a lot of general information about open adoption. Also, uh, it is the website of the adoption agency that Terry and I adopted through, um, just to give the conflict of interest disclaimer there. But that's ultimately her decision to make. And there's only so much you as a teacher can do. You can encourage her to go to Planned Parenthood. You can encourage her to really think about it. And you can encourage her to think about standing up to her mother, standing up to her family. Uh, it is not uncommon for 17, 18-year-old girls to be sexually active. It is a bit of a risk that her boyfriend falls outside the three-year – I believe it is three-year Romeo law, Romeo and Juliet law in California that provides an exception to the age of consent laws there because the age of consent in California is 18. So he's at a bit of – he's at risk legally if mom flips out and I don't think that she should. Uh, but I am not mom in this case. Uh, and this kind of irrational behavior, uh, you know, I, I assume that this girl isn't making up out of whole cloth these fears about her mother, that there's some legitimate concern here about how her family will react, that they're not realistic or rational about their children's – or their child, if she's the only child, about about her being a sexual being and like many 17-year-olds being sexually active. But again, someone who is afraid to walk into a Planned Parenthood office, even to discuss birth control, lest mother find out somehow, which she won't, isn't mature enough to parent or have a child, whatever she ultimately decides to do. Not sure you can fix this though. This isn't – this is something she's going to have to wrestle with. You can only provide, as you already – sounds like you have some support, uh, some compassion, a friendly ear and a little bit of info. Uh, but it's her choice, her decision to make. And in California, thank God, it's ultimately her decision alone to make. She doesn't need her parents' consent, doesn't need her boyfriend's consent to obtain an abortion. Hello. I am a 33-year-old gay guy living in Berlin. Um 
so back in August, I started dating this guy that I met online. Um, it was slowly turning into a serious relationship. It had been about five years since my last serious relationship. At the same time, my career had imploded, and I was dealing with all the stress that comes along with that. Um, so after about three months of dating this really great guy, I um, <laughs> decided to call it off. My rationale being that... Um, I was confused about how I felt for him or some bullshit like that and um, didn't want to leave him on. So I basically um, freaked out and called off the relationship. It's now several months later and I've settled into the craziness that is, is my life and um, realized that, yeah, I made a big, huge mistake and am wondering um, what I should do at this point. Um, I'm wondering if I should just leave the poor guy alone or if I should bother trying to contact him again. Give my regards to Nolendorf Plots. Who wouldn't like to get a call back from a guy who dumped him saying, oh, I'd like to date you now. Now I'm feeling a little bit better. If only to give him the opportunity to dump you back. So yeah, definitely call. You have absolutely nothing to lose and perhaps this boy's butt to gain. So don't be a coward. You're afraid to call him because you're afraid he might reject you. Nobody ever gets anywhere dating a romance until they overcome that fear of rejection and to fear rejection at the hands of someone that you rejected is double backflip cowardice. Just call him and say, it was a mistake. Uh, you know, I was under a lot of pressure. I realize now if you're still single uh, and willing to give me another chance, I'd really like to pick up where we left off. What, who on earth wouldn't want to get that call from an ex? Nobody. Even if the answer is no, you still want to get that call from an ex. So make that call or send that text or send that email. Do it now. Hi, Dan. So I have recently taken a pretty large pay cut. Um, I'm really happy with the choices that I've made professionally, but um, I'm having trouble paying, you know, not just my rent, but all of my bills and my student loans. Um so I have been contemplating how to make extra income on the side, and I have come to the conclusion that I would like to try selling my used underwear uh, to fetishists or people who are interested in this. Uh, I don't have any moral or emotional qualms about this. I feel perfectly comfortable um, trying to uh, execute this uh, with myself. But my questions are, one, is this legal? I have a suspicion that maybe it's not totally legal, but I don't know. Um, two, how do I actually do this? I, like, tried to look online, and they said, you know, post it in the adult section of Craigslist, but that doesn't exist anymore. Um, how do I connect with people who might be interested in buying my underwear? And how should I market this? What's the best way to do this in such a way that I will actually... Uh, it will be worth my time. <laughs> so I have a friend who's a porn star of sorts, and I wanted to get him to come on the show and, and talk about his sideline in selling his dirty jock straps and dirty underpants. But he wouldn't because he's afraid uh, that someone will recognize his voice, which is weird for somebody who's getting double penetrated online in videos. Just saying. Uh, but anyway, apparently he, he, you know, he thinks his voice is more recognizable than his face. Hi, just a shout out to my friend who won't come on my show. Anyway, uh, look, the problem with selling your underwear online, everybody thinks this is some sort of, you know, untapped 
vein of Insta money. I get this question all the time. Oh, I'm broke. I'm having a hard time making ends meet. Shall I sell my underwear online? As, as if it's really that easy. You just post an online ad and then money pours in the door. There are people who are willing to buy willing to buy strangers' dirty underwear online, but usually uh, they're only willing to pay top dollar for the underwear of people who are famous in some way for their underwear, for their sexuality. Porn stars, Jenna James, all of these people, they can sell their dirty underwear because they have this public persona, this, this profile. They are a, a lust object. They are famous. Uh, and desirable. You have to create kind of an online following. You have to create a following before your underwear really increases in value to the point where you're going to make enough money to make this worth your while. Now, you can do that without doing porn. You can do that without being a porn star. But what you have to do is show yourself. And most people who want to sell their underwear online to make ends meet do not want to show themselves. You're going to have to show uh, some of your real life. You're going to have to show some of your face. You're going to have to show uh, some of who you are because what people who want the underwear are going to do with it is live vicariously. They're going to smell your dirty underwear and imagine that they are with you. But if they don't know anything about you, what value does your dirty underwear have? You know, you know, there are people out there who want old Polish grandma's dirty granny panties just because they're dirty underwear. They want the dirty underwear of somebody they wish they were fucking. And to make them wish to fuck you, you have to show you. Now, for most people, that's a barrier to entry. Now, if you're young and you're hot and you're sweaty and your underwear smells good and you want to put up a website that says, here I am, I am this unattainable sex bomb, you will never be with me, but I will sell you my underwear and you can imagine. You will sell underwear. might be worth your while. It's going to cost you your privacy for it to be worth your while though and you need to think about that. Not as easy as just hanging a shingle and selling your dirty underwear. Hi, Dan. Um, I'm 21, and I live in Portland. I was wondering if you had any advice for bringing a boyfriend home to meet the family for the first time. I'm single at the moment, but I'm kind of nervous about it. I'm out to everyone, and they're all cool with it, aside from my grandparents, who me and my family agree are better off not being formally told. It's just not worth the drama. Uh, but... I don't want to, like, never bring a guy home because my grandparents are going to be there. So it's something we're going to have to deal with at some point. I was wondering if you had any advice because I'd rather not be the one to, like, ruin Christmas or whatever because I made my grandma go on an anti-gay tirade. Not worth the drama. Totally worth the drama, getting to be yourself, getting to be comfortable, being out to all your family, not having to second guess, not having to edit your life. Absolutely, positively worth the drama. Don't buy into that. Not worth the drama, uh, which your parents probably sold to you or your, or your siblings or your, your own internalized homophobia convinced you of it. It's not worth the drama. Coming out is always, always in the long run worth the drama. As for – you know, who ruins Christmas if somebody shits the bed because they have a gay grandson and they can't let that go and they have to be a total fucking douchebag about it and scream and yell and go off on an anti-gay tirade? It's not the gay kid who ruined Christmas in those circumstances or any other holiday. It's the bigot who went bonkers who ruined Christmas. 
And that's all you got to say to your family. They're like, oh, we don't, you don't ruin Christmas by telling grandma. You say, tell grandma not to ruin Christmas by being a hateful shitbag. How about that? How about going to bat for me? That's what you say to your parents, what you say to your siblings. Uh, and I would encourage you to get it out of the way. Grandma has email. Grandpa has email. You have, I bet, a Facebook profile. I bet that some of your friends and family are on your face, are your friends. Maybe even your grandparents are your friends. Change your Facebook profile to reflect your true sexuality. I just advised a kid that I met, uh, I believe at Tulane University in New Orleans, to do just this. He was like, oh my God, how do I come out to everybody that's bisexual? All my friends, all my family, how am I going to do this? And I looked at him and said, are you on Facebook? And he said, yes. And I went, post a status update. Just rip the Band-Aid off everybody all at fucking once. What are they going to do? And he went and did it and he got nothing but love and nothing but support except from one aunt. And he came to me and told me about it. I was like, huh, so how do you feel? And he looked at me and said, I don't know how to feel about my aunt. I said, here's how you feel. Fuck her. That's how you feel. That's how you have to feel about your grandma. Fuck her if she can't deal. Unless, of course, she bought shitloads of Apple stock in the early 90s, in which case maybe you can wait till she's dead to tell your grandfather. Hi, Dan. I, I just want to share an experience I had over the holidays with my lovely conservative farmer grandma who lives in rural Iowa. Um, she lives in the southwest part of the state, which is very poor, and the majority of the population is aging, and the farmers are becoming kind of an endangered species. Sometime last year, my grandma started telling me about a new couple who moved into a vacant farm within walking distance of our property. Well, it turns out that the young couple is a lesbian couple from Seattle who decided to do the whole living off the land thing. My grandma is practically in love with their creativity and spirit. She's offering advice on her many years of farming, welcoming them both into the community. And I know she feels inspired by the both of them. I was so happy to meet the two of them and I was almost brought to tears. Um, and I just want to share that with everybody that you're, you're right. It does take some time. People have to get used to the whole idea of the gay marriage thing, but that it's really encouraging to see that and to experience it with my grandma who, you know, she's conservative, but she's been accepting of this lovely couple who's moved in being her neighbors. They want to be farmers. They want to be part of the community and that there's hope out of this whole awful centaurum thing. So not all Iowans believe what he believes. And yeah, I just want to share that with you all. Okay. Bye. Just playing that call to throw a bone to the olds. Not everybody who's a grandma is a bigot. Uh, you know, Polls show that people who are older are likelier to be homophobic. That doesn't mean they all are and it doesn't mean that none of them are capable of overcoming their homophobia that they're really the victims of. This homophobia shit was much more prevalent when they were kids. It was pounded into their heads. People who were gay or lesbian, bi or trans were much less likely to be out. So the people didn't know they knew gay people so never got over it. And it's only now that a lot of olds are meeting gay people like their gay out grandkids. Because the gay peers back in the day weren't out. Or their lesbian next door neighbors who just moved in. You never know. It takes that first meeting. When Terry and I moved in next door uh, in a rural area on an island to some Republicans who'd never met a gay, they were so uh, briefly taken aback and then they loved us and got over it. Uh, so just a shout out to the previous caller. Thank you, caller, for your 
comment for your uh, the story about your grandma and a shout back to the previous caller that sometimes we underestimate our grandparents. Sometimes our parents are telling us that their grandparents can't handle it uh, and they're just projecting the last sort of remnants of their own homophobia onto their parents. Because what they're saying sort of subconsciously is I wish you'd never told me I could barely handle it. My parents could never handle it. Don't tell them. Uh, And you find often when you come out to your grandparents that they are just fine and knew all along. Because, you know, I hate to tell you this, previous caller. Uh, I don't hate to tell you this. You need to know that grandparents have gaydar too. Just saying. Hi, Dan. Um, I just want to say thank you for your response for the girl who was kind of dealing with the sexless relationship. Um, Pretty much everything that you said to her has kind of been what I've always been wanting to hear for myself in my own relationship. Um, I went through a very similar situation that she was going through, and uh, it just is really great to feel validated like, we're not crazy for needing to have sex in a relationship, and it's okay to end it because of that. Hey, Dan. Um, I'm a gay male, and I attend the University of Alabama in Tuscaloosa. I'm just calling to say something about your um, assertion that uh, Elizabeth Santorum, you know, or questioning if she really has gay friends um, and how could they support her father's policies. I'm just calling to say that these people are out there, and I've encountered some of them, unfortunately. And it's really sad because I think that they're so desperate to be accepted by their friends and their families who are bigoted and conservative, or they have such a degree of internalized homophobia that they will come out and support ultra-conservative political agendas. And um, it's almost like they want to tell people, oh, I'm gay, the ones that are out, that is. I'm gay, but I'm not one of those crazy liberal gays that, you know, crusading and evangelizing to have their lifestyle, you know, accept and be able to marry. And it's really sad because these, these people that are like this um, have put themselves in a, a servile position, really. But I just wanted to call and say that they're out there, and it's, you know, it's sad. But I believe Elizabeth Santorum when she says she has gay friends, but they um, aren't healthy gay individuals um, by any stretch of imagination. So thanks. Love the show. Bye. Hi, Dan. I just wanted to share a little bit of good news for people who are worried about coming out to their family. I've been out to my immediate family for a while, and but my mom encouraged me not to come out to my grandmother because she thought she was too old to understand and that it would shock her and... Um, you know, be, just be really hard on her and, and make her sad that she wasn't going to have grandchildren, which obviously isn't true, but all all of those fears. Um, and so every time I brought it up with my mom about whether I should tell my grandma, she said, no, don't do it. I don't think she's ready. I don't think she ever will be. Why does she have to know? But listening to your podcast time and time again made me th- rethink that. And so uh, a few weeks ago, I wrote a letter to my grandma without telling my mom about it, um, and basically told her that I love and respect her and that I had always hoped to be able to share with her when I fell in love and that I was in love with my beautiful girlfriend and I wanted to be able to share that important part of my life with her. Um, And I got a letter back from her yesterday that says, Hello, dear. 
Of course, I think it is wonderful that you have found a woman to share in the adventure of your talented and challenging life. Congratulations. Please send more about her, maybe even a picture. I am prepared to love Grandma. So for anybody out there wondering if their 87-year-old grandma can handle the news about being gay, even if they're old and waspy, there's hope. And we're going to leave it there. Thank you very much for your calls and your comments. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast. If you'd like to record a question or an observation for a future show, give us a buzz. And quickly, before we go, a shout-out to Ayelet Waldman, the New York Times bestselling writer who tweeted this week that her 17-year-old daughter listens religiously to the podcast and, I quote, is thus ready for life. <laughs> Thank you very much, Ayelet Waldman, for the endorsement. Uh, thanks for encouraging your kids to listen to the podcast. Not all parents can go there. And thank you very much for the complimentary tweet. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast. Give us a buzz. Me and the tech savvy at risk youth will be back at you and Ayala Baldwin's 17-year-old daughter next week with another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thanks for that.